This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Angela Schmeidler talks about the importance of a mother's presence physically, emotionally, and spiritually. What cultural influences keep us from being present with our children? Well, let's find out. Angela is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Kelly Roper. Angela Schmeidler. Mm -hmm. All right, so we're going to talk today about a mother's presence, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. This is going to be another great hour, and uh, but we know that all good things begin with prayer. Would yes. you lead us in a prayer to get us started? Sure. I, um, I actually said this before I got here, so I'll just say this again. Say it again. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Dear God, we ask that you send the Holy Spirit upon us this afternoon. Help me to answer the questions, and we ask that you bless the listeners and all those involved with Divine Mercy Radio. St. Catherine of Siena, on your feast day, we ask that you intercede for us to our Lord. Help us to love him with the fire as you so bravely did. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and renew in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy his consolations. Through Christ mm. our Lord, amen. Amen. Father, amen. So by introduction, Angela Schmeidler is married to Jerome, and they have five girls ranging in age from 11 months to age 8, and uh, Guinevere, mm -hmm. Liberty, 8, Evangeline Joan, 6, Magdalene Ann, 4, Antoinette Grace, mm -hmm. two, Celestine Claire, mm -hmm. 11 months, and Angela, along with her husband, are also the owners of Messenger Traditional Catholic Bookstore in Hayes. So what do, do you find most distracting as a mother, and how do you combat the distraction? Wow. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I think the most distracting thing for me anyway would be my phone. And, um, you know, even though... I think social media can also be a big distraction, but I mean, I don't have a Facebook or an Instagram anymore, but still just the dinging of my phone in general can be yeah. a big distraction. Um, and I know there's been studies of like when you get the notifications, there's like a dopamine rush, yeah. like, oh, who's talking to me? So you yeah. gotta go see who it is. Yeah. And so um, I think phones are really the main distraction for me anyway. So what I've tried to do is I've changed my ringtones <laughs> So, you know, my husband has a specific ringtone. So if I put my phone far away and I hear that yeah. ringtone, I, I don't have to run and go see who it is. I know who it is. And if it's a ringtone I don't, I have for just a, a normal phone number. I just don't get it because I get a lot of spam phone calls now, too. Yeah. So <clears throat> I also think distractions of, like, Pinterest and <laughs> craft yeah. ideas yeah. And, and just everyday distractions. But for me, I think my phone is probably the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, so talk to us a little bit about why, that, why that's important to you with the distraction as a mother. Why, you know, why is distraction a problem? I think distractions are a problem because I think that kids, even though we think that they're preoccupied doing something else, they're watching you yeah. and they're looking at your face. And so I, I, I did this one one thing where I was, um, they're playing outside, and I was on my phone, and I was like, you know what, move my phone down, I don't, I don't need my phone, I'm going to put it in the house, I come back outside, and the amount of times that they made eye contact with me, when they weren't even talking to me, yeah. was 
a little bit sad, but also eye-opening. Like, wow, how many times have they looked at me and they've seen my phone rather than my face, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important. And then that same goes for a book or, you know, doing a project. It's not just your phone. Any Anything that's taking you away from being actively present in the moment with your kids, mm-hmm. I think, is crucial because they're looking for you. Yeah. You know, they go down the slide. They might not say, hey, mom, watch this. But they're watching to see if you're watching them sure. go down the slide and learning new things. And if you miss it, you miss it. Yeah. And they're not going to tell you you missed it. You're just, yeah. you never know what you're missing if you're looking at something else or if you're not tapped into what's going on in the moment. Exactly. Ah, oh, so good. All right. In what ways do you see the world distorting the role of motherhood? I think that today's society has really uh, pulled one over on moms in general because I think women women struggle to feel self-worth and especially if you're a stay-at-home mom um, to feel that recognition because I think the world has convinced us that in order to be contributing members of society we either have to have this successful career or a higher education or something always bigger and better than motherhood and you know I get it. Motherhood is sometimes thankless and unglamorous and exhausting, (laughs) but it really is the closest you can get to sacrificial love aside from the crucifixion of of Jesus. And I think that, you know, spiritually speaking, labor and delivery can bring you closer to God through your suffering. And the world, the world has completely taken that out of context. Mm. And uh, Fulton Sheen said it best that in his description for equity versus equality. And there's two misconceptions. I'm reading it because I don't want to mess up what he said. (laughs) There are two misconceptions uh, that the world has pushed on women. And one is that modern times have somehow emancipated us from our servitude. And two, that in order to be equal to man, we have to do man's work. Mm -hmm. And so both misconceptions directly impact our roles as mothers and also being present as mothers. So between the years of 1553 and 1640, 10% of the publishing done in England were done by women. And so the lie that women were stuck in the home during that time period was false. And we can even look to St. Catherine of Siena. You know, she, she was not stuck in her home. She left behind 11 large volumes of her writings. And by telling women that they're only free when they can leave the home and working towards a career is a lie. And it also breeds the misconception of like, out of the out of the kitchen and into the lunchroom type of scenario. So if you're staying at home and you are cooking and cleaning for your family, that's servitude. But if you're going to work and you're getting coffee and you're running errands for your boss, that's somehow liberating. It's, it's the same thing. So I don't believe it was ever about freeing women. I think once women left the home for the workforce is where the second misconception that Fulton Sheen was talking about comes into play. And that was the fight and struggle to be equal to man rather than complement each other as we as God intended for it to be. So Fulton Sheen writes about the mathematical and proportional equality. And so he wrote mathematical equality implies exactness of remuneration. For example, that two men who work at the same job at the same factory should receive equal pay. And proportional equality means that each should receive this pay according to his function. And so the world has convinced us that women have to be equal to men rather than complement each other. And so Fulton Sheen says that equity goes beyond equality by claiming superiority in certain aspects of life. And equity is the perfection of equality, not its substitutes. So 
instead of embracing the fact that we are capable of creating life in unity, God, we run from it and we see it as a burden because that's what society has told us that we should do. We should try to go into the workforce and compete with them rather than complementing each other. And I think a great way that the culture has done that is through TV and TV shows. And so when my parents were growing up, the when you look at the family shows, the man was always the head of the household. The mother, motherhood was seen as something beautiful, and the kids were always respectable. Normal shenanigans, of course, to make good TV, but relatively, it was a solid family unit. And then when I was growing up watching TV is when they started to make the moms look really frazzled, and motherhood seemed less glamorous and more like a chore, and the dads were always foolish. One, one show coming to my mind right now is that Lizzie McGuire show on Disney Channel. The mom was always a mess, the dad was always a buffoon, and the kids were like kind of on the same team as the mom against the dad. And then now when my kids are growing up and I'm watching TV with them, I'm seeing another shift, which is both of the parents are foolish and the kids kind of know what's going on and they're kind of taking control of what's happening. And I think that when you look to TV, you know, and what sells and what is working, it kind of is a mirror of what's happening in our culture too. Yeah. And it's really, it's really sad. And I think that by doing that, the world has cheapened the roles of motherhood. And so it's cheapened femininity and women as a whole. And, and you know, we're, we're even going past that at this point because, you know, we're even seeing things where it's saying that you don't even need to be a woman to have a baby anymore. <laughs> Isn't you know? that crazy? It, yeah. You know, and, and it's just been kind of a gradual, just a gradual... Decline. You know, yeah. And there's nothing special anymore. Anyone, you can just put on makeup and you're a woman. I, yeah. It completely... And somehow it's liberating for us. I haven't figured out how it is yet, but somehow it's supposed to be progressive, and I don't get it. I, I find it very insulting. <laughs> I think it actually has taken us backwards. It has. I, I really do. I think it's it's taken true feminism, not in a negative light, you know, feminism, but, you know, the true right. feminism. We are going way backwards when we're trying to promote this kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think it goes back to what Fulton Sheen was saying about the difference between mathematical and proportional equality. When feminism first started, it was, yeah, we should be equal, but we did not recognize that God already made us equal. We all have the same inalienable rights as the men have. We just should not, we should not be competing with each other. Like, we're not equal like that. Right. You know, God didn't make women to do what men can do. He made us to do what men cannot do. Right. And women nowadays, a lot of women, don't find that as valuable enough. And I right. believe it was the culture that was brainwashing women to feel like we somehow needed to find something better right rather than embrace what god has given us yeah yeah and and really just look at the gifts of each and every one of us uh, male and female yeah you know and and really to see that and i i think it's become very apparent that uh men and women are not made equal in their you know with the swimming thing you know mm -hmm. because you know they aren't equal in their no. strengths as far as that goes and and what a shame it is that that we're allowing that I kind know. of thing where to happen. are all the feminists there when yeah. they completely dominate yeah. the women's sports i mean 
It's ridiculous. Yeah. And they worked for so long to have women's sports, mm-hmm. and here we are going backwards, right? Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I, I I agree with you. So, so, so agree with you. We also have, you know, the question of modern technology. Mm-hmm. Has that made, in your opinion, has that made being a mother easier? And uh, I won't ask the second part because that will give away what you're going to say. So, <laughs> so uh, tell me, tell me, um, do you believe that, that the modern technology has made motherhood easier? And, and define modern technology technology and what you're talking about too. Yeah. So I think that modern technology has made my life easier and harder. Okay. I think it's slightly paradoxical because what makes it easier also makes it harder. So the ability to have a smartphone, look up YouTube and find my crafts for my homeschooling day or find a recipe or you know how long do I cook this for and having everything just right at your fingertips makes my life as a mother easier, but also makes my life as a mother harder because when you have that portal that opens right up into your life, it's there for your kids too. So perfect example, um, earlier this week, uh, Mike, we were doing a lesson on the digestive system. So my oldest, Guinevere, was like, well, I remember a magic school bus one time where they talked about this. And I was like, you know what? Let's find that video. I was able to go on YouTube. I found it right away. I turned it on. It was great. But I'll be darned if the, after that video, a commercial came on that has no business being on mm-hmm. a children's thing, a children's station, that came on that I had to immediately <laughs> close your eyes, yeah. turn it oh. off right away, and, I'll, and that's what makes it harder. So in one aspect, yes, it's easier to have all of these resources and all of the ability to find what you need um, without leaving your home, but then your home is opened up to the rest of the world, and sure. it's really sad. It's, re- it's really sad. And I was reading um, this blog from this poor mom who was, I think it happened in, I want to say in England, but there was a YouTube show, um, Huggy Wuggy, and it was going through all of the parental controls because it's called Huggy Wuggy for one, mm. and it's a giant purple bear. But this purple bear was saying these terrible things to children, and so these children were watching them because it was on the parental controls. It was going through the parental controls, and this mom was saying that she, you know, that she tried so hard to put the locks on her phone and to put the locks on the TV so that her kids would not be seeing these things and it went through the cracks and it just brings to mind like as as hard as you try with technology to keep your kids out of it like you have to be the first line of defense for your parental control you can't count on technology as great as it can be sometimes to protect your kids from what they may see yeah because you can have all kinds of locks on your stuff and your kid could just be searching YouTube for magic school bus videos and something else is going to come up. And so I think that's what's made motherhood harder because I can't just turn on the TV and and walk away anymore. You know, my kids don't want to, what kid wants to watch the same thing over and over and over again? They want to watch something new. They want to watch something different. But when you turn it on, you have to sit there and listen and watch the first couple episodes. And even when you think it's okay, you have to be always listening because these new shows, they do not have the same values that... Catholics want for their kids. And it can come all of a sudden. Just mm-hmm. just out of the blue. Out of the blue, you think everything's going well, then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you've got, you know, a same sex something or yes. you know, even just in the background, yeah. you know, and and wow, you know, it just our our world and you just can't be too careful no, and and so definitely, you know, 
you know, the the technology certainly has made keeping our children pure mm-hmm. much, much, much harder. And ourselves, too. I mean, you know, so many people struggle with, you know, the pornography and different things simply because they happened onto it, you know, one know. time and then all of a sudden it becomes a problem. What role does moderation and temperance play in being present for our children? Well, I think we kind of talked about a little bit there, but I think that um, temperance is important in everyone's lives because it's one of the four cardinal virtues, but I think it's really important for kids to see, A, how to use moderation, because if they're always looking at you and you're on your phone or you're binge watching some show, like they're gonna grow up and think that's okay. It's the same reason why you wouldn't let your kid eat the whole cake. You have to have a piece of cake and then that's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. like everything in moderation is really good and as for being present I think it's I can you can go overboard in everything so like even if I if I'm sitting in my living room and I'm looking at you know all the clothes I have to fold or I have to do the dishes or I have to do this and you can you can literally busy yourself all day with your chores and not even do anything with your kids and I don't think that's healthy for them either and so you know trying to teach your kids a balance between school and play and um, recreation and then your chores and everything else and teaching them how to balance that is going to help them be a more well well well-rounded individual when they're Mm -hmm. older and um, I think that that part is really important and also you know being emotionally present because if I, I could be sitting in the room with them but if I'm preoccupied with something else I'm not emotionally present for them either and I think kids can pick up on that. I did want to just mention one one thing because I know when we're talking about motherhood and female roles and femininity and stuff, I do want to make it clear that even I think it's really important to say that even though the world has distorted the role of motherhood does not mean that you have to be a mother to be fulfilled in God's plan for you as a woman. And I think looking at the lives of the saints is a perfect example because most of them were not mothers. The feminine qualities that God gave women, principally being devotion, sacrifice, and love, can be expressed in other ways besides having a family or even being a con- being in a convent. Mm-hmm. If you look to the um, seven corporal works of mercy, there's lots of things that, you know, if you don't feel like you're being called to have a family or to be a mother, that you could be doing, that God could be calling you to do to fulfill your life as a as a woman too. You know, talk about um, the vocation of motherhood and you know it's an interesting thing first you know first of all just to say vocation of motherhood because I think so often when people hear you know do you have a vocation mm-hmm. they're thinking of the priesthood but right. there are more vocations than just the priesthood so so we're talking here about the vocation of motherhood and, and you can talk about what that that vocation is first of all and then how you know we've talked about you know some of the ways that it's downplayed in our culture but if you wanted to add more to that as well but I think it's really important first of all to talk about motherhood as a vocation right it's not just a job right, right? it's a vocation it so is. so can we talk about that a little bit yeah I think motherhood is a very downplayed vocation for one I think it's a lot of people make the mistake of not seeing it as a vocation and I and it's really sad because it's you have to raise soldiers for Christ as a mother. And I think one of the most beautiful things that I can use as that comes to my mind right now is actually when a mother's son becomes a priest and they're given the, um, oh gosh, now I'm drawing a blank on it. Is it the the 
the, is it a stole or they're given something? The stole goes to the dad from the, the first confession. It's I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I can't think of, the I can't think of it. completely escapes me. But when she dies, she's supposed to present it to the Lord as as proof that she has given him one of her sons. And I think that's a beautiful explanation of what the vocation of motherhood is supposed to be. You're supposed to lead your children to God. And in the same way that, you know, someone consecrates themselves to the Blessed Mother, she leads you to her son. Mm -hmm. And so that's supposed to be our job as mothers, you know, to bring them to their fathers and to bring them to God. You know, my children, of course, are my children, but they're first, they're God's first. And they are my blessings that he's given to me that I hope to one day give, I hope I go first, obviously, but (laughs) that we can all be with him in heaven. And so I I think that, you know, if we really look at it that way, it's seen more as a vocation rather than a chore. But I see the fact that people don't see it that way is just all the more reason why it's been so downplayed. And I really liked this question because I think the downplaying of the vocation of motherhood is the only way to have destroyed the family unit. It had to be motherhood first. And, you know, it's said that, you know, the devil, the devil's last battle will be the breakdown of the family unit. And so the only way that could have played out in the way it's happening right now in our culture is if the mother fell first. And I think that's because, going back to the TV shows as an example, right, if the, the father, if they disrespected the father first and started to take the father figure out of his God-given role first, the mother would have demanded he be put back in there. Like, you need to respect your father, you listen to your father, and she would have put him back. But when they took the mother out of her role, and not only did they take her out of the role, they actually convinced her to do it herself, to take herself out of her God-given role. The father couldn't put her back in her, in her role or defend her femininity because then he's seen as sexist. So... If a mother says, I need to feel more fulfilled, therefore I'm going to leave, I'm going to go get further my education, get another job and spend no time at home, the father can't say anything because then, well, you're just saying my place is in the kitchen. So now, you know, you see it all the time. Men are even afraid to open the door for women these days because either she's going to be grateful or she's going to be mad because, what, you don't think I can open the door myself? And mm. women have convinced us that it's about men think we can't do it rather than they're just respecting us as women and they're opening the door for us. And so when they took the mother out, then the father was fair game because no one was there to put him back in the respectable place of the household. And so... Fulton Sheen, again, uh, says the level of any civilization is the level of its womanhood. So woman is the measure of the level of civilization because men will rise to our standards. And if women degrade ourselves and lower our standards, men will too. And I think that that was such an interesting thing because we as women don't even realize how much power we have and how much influence we have on the world as a whole. And uh, our culture has convinced us to lower our standards and cheapen our worth in the guise of elevating our status. And so, yeah, we were already elevated by God when he gave us the ability to create life and bring us close as anyone can be to him through the birth of our children. We need to take a break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more about a mother's presence with Angela Schmeidler. One body, one body, 
We're back on One Body Stewarding God's Creation. A mother's presence. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. With Angela Schmeidler. Kelly Roper conducts the interview. We are talking with Angela Schmeidler, and uh, she is talking about a mother's presence, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And, uh, you know, we were talking about the vocation. I used to, every once in a while, as a homeschool mom, I would talk at homeschool conferences. And I wrote a, a, a talk once on applying the Benedictine rule to, mm-hmm. to the home. And the thing that, that I think resonated with me and many of the others was the thought of, you know, in the Benedictine uh, monastery, when they're to change duties, there's a bell that rings, right? And that mm-hmm. bell tells them to move. And, you know, I what I think of is our children's voices are that bell for us. So as soon as we hear that bell, we need to immediately act and figure out what it is that God wants us to do in that moment. And, and uh, you know, really, really put them first and i think that's what you're you're telling us you know here yeah. so if we can think of our children's voices as the bell to move to the next activity that's a really great way to look um at it. you know and, and then i think you know bell always makes us smile right and and so if we think of it as a bell then we don't oh you know they need this again you know which right. which we all do at one time oh, or another absolutely but uh you know it just and the other another talk that i gave was i do this for you oh lord that should be our responses you know i do uh-huh. this for you oh lord and if we make everything our gift to god everything mm-hmm. that we do then you know the grace is going to be abundant and yeah. and i think those things are, are so important in our vocation at, in in motherhood i think so too and when you were talking it reminded me i was of a time i um i think i had just had magdalene and so you know the the transition from having two kids to three kids can mm-hmm. be a little overwhelming. And yeah. so I, there was this one morning when I was up all night with Magdalene and Evangeline needed to go potty and Guinevere had a million questions. And I said out loud, like, ah, I just want like 10 minutes to, to be myself. And then I looked at them and I was like, ah, oh, my body is not my own. Like, yeah. this is not, this is not how I should be looking at it. Like, and it's really easy, I think, to, to what you were saying, to just be like, ah, what do you need? But at the same, like, like I liked your example of the bells and seeing their voices as a time to, to just move to the next thing yeah. and just be reminded that, you know, God God's not going to give you something that you can't handle. And uh, motherhood can be messy, but it's a messy masterpiece. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah I like yeah. that. Yeah. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, we try and find the joy in everything. And, you know, at the same time, we need to be real and mm-hmm. realize that every single moment of every single day is not going to be joyful when no. the toilet overflows and the dog runs away <laughs> and, you know, on and on and on, yeah. you know, there's, there's going to be challenges. And, and yet, you know, we say again and again, I do this for you, O Lord, and, mm-hmm. and he will give us the help that we need. I think we've talked about the physically and the emotionally, not so mm-hmm. much maybe the spiritually. So, mm-hmm. so can we talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that spiritually you need to be present in the sense that 
uh, they need to be seeing you pray. I think it's really easy as moms when we want to have like a quiet time in prayer or not to be distracted in our prayer that we would either wait till the kids go to bed or, you know, wait till we have that quiet moment. But as moms, we probably will not have that quiet moment. And when we do, we're exhausted and we're going to fall asleep. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I think that um, it's okay to to pray in the chaos and it's okay to have the kids be present when you're having these spiritual moments so that way they can see how to have these spiritual moments as well and so you know our nightly rosaries or our nightly prayer time can be very hectic but i think that it's going to help them grow spiritually and when they do have a religious question to take it seriously not to just push it aside as oh you're just kids being silly you know ask talk to have these deep discussions with them even though they're little and they might not even remember what you're saying or comprehend what you're saying the fact that you're having these deep conversations with them will ensure that they come back to you when they will when it will matter when they will remember that the, oh, you know what I can go and talk to mom about this because we have this relationship or this rapport where we can go back and forth and have these deep long conversations yeah yeah, uh, very good. All right, so where do we want to go from here? What else do we want to talk about? We have about 19 minutes. Um, the last question on my list is why is it important now more than ever for mothers to play a more present, active role in raising their children? Um, I think it's important. We've kind of talked about it before, but I think that um, mothers can kind of set the tone. So in a study done in 2000, it was found that the children's faith will largely be determined by how faithful the father is and not mm. the mother. And so the mother's habit of um, regular church-going attendance had nothing to do with what the children will be when they're older. Mm. But the father's habits were detrimental to the outcome of their children's faith. And I think that it's really easy to say, well, if it doesn't matter what I do, <laughs> what's, what's the point? Yeah. But I think that it does matter in terms of kind of like what I said with being consecrated to the Blessed Mother and that she brings us to the Father. I think it's the mother's job to be in, to still take that role seriously to bring them to the Father. So every mother needs to bring their children and not to undermine or, or compete with him. And I think we we touched a little bit on it when you met when you brought up the swimming swimming situation and even in with the Disney this Disney fiasco in, in Florida uh, yeah. you know their their agenda is more obvious now than it ever was before and so we can't sit back and let other people influence and raise our children because they're going to it's inevitable every I mean everything around us influences our decision and changes our worldview and so everything our kids are exposed to they're going to absorb that like a sponge and I think it's really important as moms to to stay grounded and present in our role and to be on guard to protect our children and to get not to shelter them because you know I don't want to send my kids off in the world not knowing how to combat these things or even how to defend their faith like one day I want to sit them down and tell them everything that's going on and why they're not allowed to watch the new Disney movies that are coming out. Right. But they're not ready right now, but that doesn't mean I want to shelter them from that. You know, it's my, I think part of being a present active mother is also when they're at the right age to have these conversations with so that they can grow up and defend their faith and be strong soldiers for Christ. Because I think that is our job as parents, as mothers, as fathers, even as grandparents, having that support yeah. to teach your children that, you know, life is not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. 
no vocation is easy, whether it's the married life, the priesthood, motherhood, fatherhood, single life, nothing is easy. It's going to be a cross. And so you have to pick it up and carry it the best you can, and God's going to give you the grace to do it. And I hope that one day I can give my kids the tools and the faith that they need to pick up their cross, whatever that may be, and to carry it. And, you know, I want to go back to to the part where you were talking, too, about about the the, the breakdown of, you know, the, the parents where t- had to take mother out first, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, and, and I think we're, we're seeing that so clearly now where we have all this gender and and you know many of our political leaders you know they're willing to risk everything to proceed with this with this whole um, idea of all the gender stuff going on and I think that in some ways they're they're using that of course to break down the man you know they they've you know the woman has already been you know broken down in her role as as a nurturing Mm -hmm. mother and and uh, then we have now we're bringing down the man and then at at this point we're also saying that there really isn't a man or a woman it's whatever you want to be right And, and so we've just we've gone so far Anything that that you would maybe have to say to the the parents out there to help them, I guess, to help their kids through this? Because I can't think of a a more difficult time for parenting our children and trying to protect them from the things going on in our in our society than right now. Right. I, I truly can't. Over, over all my years of parenting anyway, I can't think of a more yeah. difficult time. So any advice that you'd like to share? I would say that it can be a really lonely, exhausting job mm-hmm. trying to keep um, your kids protected, um, but not to give up because, you know, I, I because I'm a busy mom, I didn't get a chance to finish the Bible in a year with Father Mike yeah. Schmitz. But I do love his podcast, and I yeah. love that when he reads it, he then explains it in such a way that you can understand it, and things start clicking that might have you just skimmed over before. And one of the things that really stuck out to me when I was doing the, the Old Testament was how many times it's written in the Bible, parents teach your children. Mm. like teach your children and even so much so as to for God to say like put these rocks here to make this monument and then every time you pass it tell your children what happened here and I think it's so easy to take the step where you're like you know what my kids aren't ready for this yet it's too complicated but they need to know it they need to know their faith and they need to know why it is that they're not watching the new things or why it is that we're not going to go to this one store you know like to show them how to live their life from an early age on it can be exhausting but you're not alone (laughs) all of us moms are going through and i and i do want to say too um saint catherine of siena is my favorite saint she's my confirmation name and i had no idea today Uh. was her feast day when i signed up for this and so i had written this down um be who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire. And I think that that mm-hmm. is what all mothers should cling to. Yeah. If your vocation is motherhood, embrace it, run towards it, as messy and exhausting as it can be, because in the end, it's going to be rewarding. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. That's that's beautiful, and it's a great quote. I've seen that many times. And you know, the the flip side of that not that I not that I necessarily want to bring up the the negative flip side of that is, but don't be something 
that we're not called to be. Don't try and be right. something that we're not, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. be what God has called you to be. But that also requires us to surrender. It does. And and not to look at the worldly appreciation or mm-hmm. the, the worldly demands of, of what, of what we should be. be. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. We need to look at what God wants us to be. Mm-hmm. And, and it very well might not be what you want. <laughs> but exactly. it is what's going to be what you need. And that's something yeah. that, you know, it's sometimes hard to embrace, but in the end, it'll be very good for you. Right. Right. Agreed. And, and you know, I spent, you know, a few years, not really knowingly, but, um, you know, unknowingly, I suppose, um, not knowing any better, I guess. But I, you know, when we got married, we were going to have our kids young, we were going to have two, and then we were going to travel. Well, mm-hmm. You know, I've already told you I have kids from 39 down to 18. It didn't quite happen that way. You know, God hit me over the head with a brick. And, uh, you know, I realized, you know, because I wasn't even Catholic when we got married. And, you know, my life changed. You know, who I, I told my husband if I had known when I married you that I was going to have, you know, eight children, nine children with a miscarriage, I was going to homeschool, I was going to, you know, stay at home with my kids, I was going to do this and that, I would have run the other way because it was not even in my vocabulary. Right. It was not. And grace of God, I can't even say it was me surrendering. It was truly just. Uh, you know, uh, the grace of God, you know, one foot in front of the other. You know, my husband begged me for probably two years to homeschool before I gave in. You know, I'd had enough, and I finally said, okay, you know. And and so, you know, it was just one step at a time to be able to, you know, to get to that point. But I'm grateful, you know. And and, uh, so, really, that's what I would encourage, I guess, all of our listeners to hear here is, you know, what you said with with St. Catherine is be what God wants you to be, and then you can set the world on fire. And isn't that great, too, that sometimes God's calling happen in in little ways over time? Because, like you said, if he were to told you, if he were to tell you what you were supposed to be doing with your life all at once, it would have been too overwhelming. It would not have happened. (laughs) I know, yeah. So these these little nudges that... That leads you deeper in your faith and further along your walk with Christ are really, really eye-opening and really life-changing. Yeah, excellent, excellent. We have about four more minutes with our guest, and she's been delightful. Angela Schmeidler, uh, owner of Messenger Traditional Catholic Bookstore in Hayes, has five little girls um, from eleven to eight months, or eleven months to age eight. Um, what a beautiful, fun family you have. Yeah. Um, so, so what else can we talk about with these last few minutes? Well, uh, my youngest is actually older now. I think that much. She's 16 months now. Oh, so my. Okay. <laughs> Getting older. Yeah. Um, but I, I do want to say, too, that if anything I said um, in regards to, you know, vocation of motherhood or women in the workforce, I would highly recommend if I said it in a way that was confusing that you just, if you could just read um the World's First Love by Fulton Sheen. I mm-hmm. think he says it better than I ever could or even attempt to explain right. it. And um, it it was a really eye-opening book for me as a woman and also as what culture has done to femininity and womanhood. And so The World's First Love by Fulton Sheen, I think, is a book that um, I'm at least giving to all of my daughters one day. Yes. <laughs> so I would highly recommend um, that book. Yeah. Thanks for tuning into One Body Stewarding God's Creation. If you own a service or business, or if you're an individual that would just like to underwrite this One Body show, 
please know your spot can run three times during the show, which runs five times a week. Interested? Call 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. One body, stewarding God's creation. 